For a lot of people starting their blog, they must be thinking, well, there's a million people writing about this already. How can I possibly get noticed? My answer to that is always, there's only one of you. So, you know, only you can share your perspective, your background story, your experiences, your opinion. Uh, obviously, you have to care enough about a subject to have an opinion that other people would find valuable. Hopefully, you've lived some kind of experience to, you know, share a story. So I think that's always the, the first place to start. This is the Ideas Lab podcast, where you can learn from great creative and entrepreneurial minds how to turn your ideas into original businesses, books, and brands. Because in a crowded world, it pays to stand out. This is your host, John Williams, best-selling author and founder of the Ideas Lab London. Is blogging still relevant? Does it matter in the age of social media? And if you're going to blog, how can you do it effectively so that it actually gets you results? Well, I'm very pleased that Yara Starrick has agreed to answer those questions for us on the Ideas Lab podcast. I've been following Yarrow from somewhere around 2008, maybe even a little bit earlier. And he's something of a legend of the online marketing world. He started his first online business in 1999 when he was still 19 years old. He's never had a full-time job. And he's always had some kind of online business for the last 20 years, from selling services like essay editing and email management to buying and selling websites to blogging and digital products. So I'm really glad that we could dive into what really works in blogging these days and why we should all still be writing a blog. Hi, Yara. Thanks so much for joining us on the Ideas Lab podcast. Uh, happy to be here, John. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I've been following you since I don't know when. It must be, I suspect, when did I get into internet marketing? 2008 or something like that. But you actually go back even further than that. What was your your first experience? Actually, it was it was really a long time ago, wasn't it? Where did your journey into online marketing begin? Yeah, well, it was late 90s. Um, I had the fortuitous timing of being 18 graduating high school, entering university at the same time that whole dot-com boom was going on. So it was kind of natural to be, uh, well, almost romance. You know, I was uh, just, it was so alluring to, to do anything on the internet at that time because people seemed to be making a crazy amount of money. Um, to be fair, though, at 18, didn't have a whole lot of confidence as an entrepreneur at all. I, you know, didn't know what to do. But I did start to play with, um, you know, forums um, basic website building tools. Those of the listeners who might remember GeoCities, some of the very, very early, uh, like they'd be, I guess Wix or Squarespace would be the modern version of what GeoCities was back then, but very rudimentary. But I built a website. Um, it was about a card game called Magic the Gathering, which uh, some of our some of our listeners might know. It's still going strong, amazingly now. Um, new generation playing it, but I played it as a teenager. It's sort of a kind of a competitive card game, but it's got elves and dragons and all that sort of thing. So um, I really enjoyed playing that game and collecting the cards and even traveled a bit around the world to play in tournaments. So it was a big part of my life from sort of 15, 16 to about 20 years old. So naturally, that was the first website I built and then uh, launched an e-commerce store on it, started making money from advertising. 
wasn't exactly a dot com explosion success story, but I did learn, you know, the basics, how to get an audience, how to do a basic website, how to install some simple scripts, like to run a forum. Um, but really basic, like my online store was like a text file of lists of cards for sale with a number next to it. And when I sold one, I'd reduce the number and, you know, I'd go to the post office and send it in the mail by hand. So very, very basic. But that was where it all started. Like I, I can trace back everything I do today to that first website really it was the starting point wow and now it's a little bit different you're you're co-founder of inbox done or you're running it at least with claire who we interviewed recently uh and um what do you spend most of your time doing uh aside from that in terms of online marketing yeah, I mean, Claire runs Inbox Done, so, you know, that that's mostly her. She's the boss. Um, we do talk, so that's part of my role. And, and uh, I mean, the connection with Inbox Done is, um, as you know, I grew an audience around blogging and podcasting. So that business came about because I had an audience who might need the service. But, you know, go back in time, I spent 10, 12 years building that audience uh, in blogging and in particular in sort of coaching and selling online courses and a membership site, uh, various courses over the years, some ebooks as well, basically digital marketing, information marketing. So it's sort of um, to sort of connect the dots. I went from this card game store, uh, which eventually, you know, it made a bit of money, but I never made full time income from it. And eventually I, I kind of got bored of the game. Then I started an essay editing company, which was uh, my attempt at connecting uh, university professors with students studying at universities who often came from an international background so their english wasn't so good i was the middleman um, selling this essay editing service i had a team of contractors it was my first full-time income i focused on that business after graduation and that business is what introduced me to blogging someone said in 2004 you need a blog and i was like what's a blog and it was supposed to help me get more customers for my editing company um, I did go in and start an editing blog, which was the most dry and boring subject for me. I wasn't an editor and it was very hard to write about that topic. Um, but it did introduce me to this, this idea of, of, you know, sharing stories online through this new medium. Cause you got to remember back then we had no social media. We had no, like YouTube wasn't around. Podcasting wasn't around really. It was the first time you could actually interact because people could comment and you know reply back and there was a lot of bloggers writing about other bloggers it was beautiful back then everyone was sharing and linking to each other um, so i started an entrepreneurship blog which then to my surprise turned out to be what i did for the next sort of i'm still doing it i still coach now on, on the same topics of, of blogging information marketing email marketing um, but the blog started as a place to tell stories from running a card game store and an essay editing business and just sharing what was working behind the scenes and actually started my, my podcast then too. So 2005, uh, long before we even had iPods, the, well, we had, no, we had iPods. We didn't have iPhones yet. So that was the very first sort of, I call it audio blogging back then, but basically sat down, you know, recorded some voice and published it on a blog and that's podcasting. So that sort of connects the whole the whole 20 years or so of running online businesses. Yeah. And there must be loads of people who are interested in these topics of blogging and email marketing and, and podcasting. Um, it, the interesting thing about blogging, you know, I was just talking to somebody last week who was on the podcast, Cat Williams, who runs a start with a blog called Rock and Roll Bride, which has been really successful. And it's about alternative weddings. 
And um, and I said, like, isn't blogging a bit, you know, old-fashioned now? Isn't that a bit 2012 or something? So is blogging still relevant, Yarrow? I think, it's, isn't it 2004, if you really think about <laughs> yeah. when it started? But, yeah, I mean, it's old in internet years, isn't it? Um, you know, the answer to that question is, do we still read content on the internet? I think as long as we say yes to that, then the format of a blog still works because that's all we're doing is we're sharing content. Uh, albeit it's way more competitive and there's just so much content, you know, you, you really have to tick a few boxes in terms of choosing a topic that people are actually searching for, you know, spending some time creating content that actually delivers value, you know, putting in a few bells and whistles, maybe some multimedia, some video. Um, so there's more to it than simply just, uh, well, it depends on your purpose. I mean, you can blog for fun. You don't have to have a large audience. You could just have a little niche blog. So nothing wrong with that. But if you have a business goal behind it, then yeah, you do have to certainly, um, do some things well to start getting a result. So I don't think it's dead by any means. It's just so much more busy, you know, like it's just so many things you can do. It's funny because when I started, I felt busy then. It's like, oh, you know, I can create products. I, there was tools then for setting up everything, forums, there was podcasting was taking off, video was taking off as, as you know about. So the, it felt busy then. So it's never been a case where it not busy. It's gotten busier, but uh, like I said, I think it's still a, a very viable platform for those who like the written word in particular. And and actually, a cat made a good argument, which was that blogging is seeing a bit of a resurgence during lockdown. Because we're recording this at the time, and we're you know a lot of places in the world are under lockdown. And I think I've noticed myself reading, you know, in-depth virology articles, yeah, amateur virology articles, and a few, <laughs> quite a few blog posts have gone viral on Medium particularly, but on other people's blogs that are just an analysis of the situation or uh, a statistician's modelling of the graphs and stuff like that. And so when the rest of the world seems to be a little superficial, you, um, I haven't found myself going to Instagram to... To, I mean, everyone's got different tastes. But I found myself going to Instagram more. Um, I found myself going to Twitter more and going to um, blogs more. And also Facebook, but just to connect with friends and, and to share kind of humorous memes and stuff, which is also another interest of mine. Um, but it, it so, I, so maybe it is having a bit of a resurgence. But I think this point you made, which is how how busy it is out there, for a lot of people starting their blog, they must be thinking, well, there's a million people writing about this already. How can I possibly get noticed? Uh, my answer to that is always there's only one of you. So, you know, only you can share your perspective, your background story, your experiences, your opinion. Uh, obviously, you have to care enough about a subject to have an opinion that other people would find valuable. Hopefully, you've lived some kind of experience to, you know, share a story. So I think that's always the the first place to start, but connect that with maybe a bit of marketing uh, research, you know, doing a little keyword research, making sure you're it's using a topic. Um, I'm actually working with a friend of mine right now who he's, his career has been spent on stage. He's like a speaker and entertainer and MC. Needless to say, in this time we're living in right now, his entire business is completely shut down. There are no events, there's no conferences. And I've been kind of going back and forth with him as he tries to take what he does and do online uh, coaching around that space and basically he's trying to refine what's his message and I think this is actually one of the hardest things to do I, I went through this myself too when I decided to create a first course it's like 
well, what is it going to be on? Like, what's the the need or the problem I'm trying to solve in this world? And at the start, it's tricky because you do feel like you can help a lot of people with a lot of different things. And the idea of just picking one little slice, uh, it can be restrictive. And, and maybe, you know, you feel like, is it the right topic? You know, and for him, he's thinking about uh, how basic things like how he increased how much he charges as a speaker, how he got the confidence to speak, um, you know, how he can get the contacts with the, you know, the decision makers in the, the events world, you know, all, obviously in preparation for the world unlocking itself and events happening again at some point. But for him, it's like, what is that little message I can go out there? And, you know, over the years, I've, like yourself, had the pleasure of interviewing a lot of people and coaching a lot of students. So you can start to see these patterns where um, one of my students was helping people with ADHD, another one with acne, another one with speed reading, another one with uh, there's the chemicals behind shampoo and soap. So these are you know very specific things, but they have these niche communities online. And I think if anything, today the fact that it's so crowded also shows us that we can go find our little corner in the internet for almost any topic. Not every topic, but certainly there's a community that is spending money. And that's the other thing to think about too. Are they actually spending money yeah. on product? Then you can find that and you know spend a bit of time there, learn about them. Um, I'm working on a, a behind the scenes project right now and I'm going through the same process going, what's the hook? What's the thing I can deliver to people that makes them come back to my website over and over again? You know, it's, and it's a, it's a research process. So, yeah. And I, I think also personality counts for something, doesn't it? Because I think, you know, I talk a lot about niche with people and, and, and finding a, a good niche and a problem to solve. But there is another layer over that because if I think of, um, you know, I get Mark Manson's blog posts sent to me every week. Or I get his newsletter every week and I read some of his blog posts and I read them. I mean, the niche is kind of how to live, I guess, you know, Mark Manson mm, in, mm. Um, with the sweary book titles and uh, he's, oh, yes. his weekly newsletter is also quite sweary, but that that's fine. Mm -hmm. I think it's quite funny. Um, and it's his style of writing that I think makes it. So there is something to be said for finding your voice, isn't there? In the way that Mar Manson's found a very specific voice. Yeah, but I think we've got to be careful with the, the idea of just creative writing or creativity for creativity's sake versus I'm starting a business and it's got a, a commercial intent. You know, there's a problem to solve and to make money. And, and that's that, that can be difficult, I think, for creative types sometimes to even even talk about, I don't want to try and figure out how to turn what I love doing into an income stream because it's almost like it cheapens it or I have to butcher it to make it, you know, turn into an income. Um, so I've always come from, I guess, the other side of the fence where the money mattered enough to me that I did focus a lot of time on that to make sure because I didn't like parts of my life that were restricted by lack of money. So until that was changed that was my primary goal so you know i wasn't the struggling artist wanting to you know or, or author you know sitting in the corner hoping to have a book take off it was like no i want to sell digital products or sell ads or sell affiliate products um, so what can i write that will lead to sales of these things yeah. i think you got to be careful too with you know like a mark manson or anyone we maybe admire in mass media they often have more general topics and get to write about more general things because they have an audience base that will listen to anything they say. And you got to look at what their what's their business model. Are they like is Mark purely profiting from book sales, the selling from the stage, 
You know, yeah. does he uh, invest? What What's his thing? So and then you've got people who are like maybe they're exited from a company they used to own. Yeah. So they have a lot of money in their they don't bank need to and they make do what they money. like. Yeah. So they, it's like Tim Ferriss yeah. who's kind of most of his money as far as I can tell. Well, the books I'm sure make a decent amount of money, but most of it's from startup investing. So I think it's a really important point. If we you look at what people are doing and look at their business model and Mark, when he started out, he was actually a dating coach. And so he made money just in the way even many of your clients do, many of my clients do, by saying, okay, you're going to work with me one-to-one or you're going to take my online course or whatever it might be, and it will cost you X hundred dollars or X thousand dollars, and we're going to solve your dating problems. And I think he worked mostly with men. And um, and that was his niche. So he did have a very clear niche. And then he kept writing, and he had uh, a success uh, with his book, um, uh, his first book, which was so uh, so large, it surprised even him. Where he said, "I think I'm just going to write books now," <laughs> because he must have sold. <laughs> I think. Well, in fact, I do know he sold a million uh, copies of his, um, uh, which is very rare. Like market. that's not an outcome you can expect, right? And you can't predict so, that. You can't yeah. guarantee it. And go, if I do this, this, and this, I'll sell a million copies. So, yeah. That's a really important point. So, and I think a lot of my clients struggle with that. They struggle with this issue of the creative pursuit versus commercial pursuit. And I think, you know, I I was talking to a client last night in a group call on the Pioneer program, and he loves photography, he loves travel, and he also uh, can help a particular uh, niche that's actually got quite a lot of money. And he said, well, you know, but what about my photography? What about my travel? And I said, well, you, you, you're looking at a niche here which could pay you thousands of dollars for every single engagement. And you don't need to do very much work with them to make you so much money, much more than he's currently making, so that you have all the time in the world to take photography and all the time in the world to travel. And you can run it all remotely and you can travel while you're doing it. And then not only that, not only those two, you don't, those two things don't have to be completely separate. Your brand of photo- of travel and freedom adventure and photographing that and being in tune with nature and photos of nature becomes part of the brand. So it doesn't directly get you paid, but you can actually make it all work as long as you've got your eyes on the cash cow. And I said, sometimes if somebody said this to me, I think, oh, maybe I was, it was inspired by Naval Ravikant. who said, let's just get you rich first. Like if you're having all these sort of deep <laughs> esoteric questions about the meaning of life and you're broke, um, then the best thing to do is like, let's just get you sorted financially first. Then we can have the esoteric uh, considerations about whether you're following your spiritual journey or not. Now, some people might disagree with me but on you, that. You, but Yeah, you can't contemplate that if you're not suffering from lack, though, you see, <laughs> as <laughs> yeah. a connection. <laughs> yeah, I don't really buy that. It's like what he says is what Navar Ravikant says is if you're a founder of angel list – is that once you become rich, you actually have this realization like, oh, money doesn't solve my problems. So it solves, you no longer have to, you're no longer in panic mode because you know, you know, you know, you can pay the rent. So it takes you into a higher level of thinking, but it doesn't solve your relationship problems and it doesn't solve your, you know, whatever your mindset problems. So they think, oh, now I can address those. Mm. I like that it does also switch your focus outward a bit. Like when you do solve your own needs, you start to look at how can I help with other people's needs. So it's a nice switch. Yeah, And it stops you spiraling into a kind of narcissistic, uh, neurotic, uh, you know, frenzy, which is very easy yeah. to get into. Um, I've been there, I'm sure, points in my career. Oh, where... everyone. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, constantly in my 20s, I think. I was there <laughs> yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. 
So blogging now, if if we think about, but you know, you've run so many successful blogs. Um, what do people get wrong? Is lots of people start a blog, and you know, some of it will overlap with what we've already talked about. But what do people typically get wrong? Where they 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 plow into a blog and they put a lot of energy into it, and they're creating what seem like very interesting content, but it doesn't really ever get traction. What do you think is going mm. on there? most often from your experience? You know, yeah, I mean, I guess let's take it back a second. The way I like to look at it, and this might be a bit procedural, but a blog is a content marketing strategy. So mostly for today, it's an SEO play. It's about getting search engine rankings and getting free traffic from Google. So, you know, that as a vehicle for building an audience, you have to remember and that's what you're trying to do. Sure, there might be some viral distribution if someone, you know, you write an article, it hits a nerve, it gets shared on social, um, but you're comparing it to your options. You know, you've got content marketing for SEO, organic traffic, you've got paid marketing, you know, Facebook ads, Google ads, Twitter ads, Instagram ads, and so on. Um, you've got social as not paid, but spending time on social and hoping to generate an organic following there, um, whatever it may be, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Uh, and then, of course, you've got, you know, partnerships, joint ventures, like going on an, uh, someone else's podcast and talking about what you do. So it's a vehicle for reaching an audience. And I think that's the way to look at it first, because then you think of it differently. It's not like, well, I'm just going to write and see what happens and hope right. it works out. And that's usually what leads to a blog that doesn't get any traction. And I also think it's worth mentioning, this for me was a big, um, massive realization at about the third, fourth year of my blogging process was that a blog is just a place to make first contact with an audience and you know demonstrate a bit of value, give some content, build some trust. But there's so much that needs to happen behind that. And that's when I discovered the power of email marketing. I, I didn't realize until that point, I'm doing this blogging thing to get more subscribers to my email list. And then I'm getting subscribers to my email list so that I can keep in touch with them, continue to build a relationship with more content and make offers for what I sell. And then I have to have a good offer. So it's like this three part process. There's reaching people with the blog, there's building trust and selling with email marketing. And then there's making a great offer for a product or a service. And, and they're you know very, they don't, mm. if one of those things doesn't work, then the whole system breaks down. And so for me, that was a big learning process. I mean, if I'm going to answer just what you're saying, why doesn't a blog mm. get traction? I would simply say you're not writing about the, the topics that people are searching for. You're not doing enough to build the authority of your blog. So you're not going to rank because every other site is ranking ahead of you. Um, you're not putting enough effort into the content itself because you need to hit, you know, certain formats, maybe include certain media, imagery, mm. um, you know, multimedia, possibly length, uh, research, you know, are you putting in uh, content that is not just just you thinking about something, but drawing upon interesting data that often gets, you know, more shares. But at the end of the day, it's it's kind of like trying to play the algorithm. It's a horribly technical way of looking at writing, but that's that's this, <laughs> that's what the way it is. This sounds really complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I spoke to um, uh, Emma Johnson, I think it was, who runs WealthySingleMommy.com. And okay. uh, the blog makes a, a, um, a lot of money. And she says, you know, do I want to write blog posts that are like 12 ways to save money on your insurance? 
It's not my favorite topic, but that's actually what people are searching for. So I can't, there might not be that exact example. So are, are you basically saying that like Emma, you have to think of an SEO head, SEO being search engine optimization. It's a way of making sure that Google notices you and people are likely to find you when they search for a topic. So, I mean, are you writing all blog posts thinking like, how's Google going to like this? You know, it's funny. You mentioned your, your friend before who you said, let's make money first. And you get all this time to explore your photography and whatever. So, you know, you go back 15 years and I would say to people, you know, write about the subjects you like, make sure you're focused on helping people, but eventually the audience will come just by being helpful. Uh, and back then I could say that you could, I could even say, write about your passions and it will work. Um, now I, I would start with what I just answered the previous question saying, you got to think about the searchers. You got to think about, you know, the, some keyword data. And I say that to just remind you that that's what your outcome here, that like the result, if you're building a business is actually reaching people and getting traffic. So, um, but it doesn't have to be dry and boring. Like you're saying, you know, I've got to, I was right. I hate that. I wouldn't sit and write a blog to always hit the keywords myself. I haven't done that. I still don't do that. I never have, but I've been very cognizant of the fact that I have created certain pieces of content because I know it's designed to get people to sign up to an email list to then, you know, go through something could be an email course, read a blueprint, a report I have, or attend a webinar because I'm going to sell a product. And I always think about it. Okay. So I look at it this way. There's a problem I'm helping people solve, usually a micro problem with one article. And then that is telling a story, giving some how to steps, and then giving them a call to action to take some additional training with me, which is uh, begun by joining an email list. So there is strategic intent. Now that that is that has to exist. It's part of the strategy for having a business. But and this is a beautiful thing about especially a personal brand style blog where you, your face and your voice, as you said before, John, you are the brand. You're the photographer, or you know whatever it is you love. If you start to do this well and you and you build those money making pieces of content first and you, you know, make some money, like you said, build a machine mm. then you then have the freedom to say today, you know, I'm just going to write about my thoughts on the movie I watched or, you know, what's happening in, in this industry. I can I can be a thought leader and share my thoughts. And like you also said, the wonderful thing about it is it still helps your business. It's not as linear. It's not about this post leading to this email list, leading to this product. But it's about you having a unique point of view about a subject that you yeah. care about that then tells people that you're someone who, you know, really cares about this subject and is worth listening to. Or it can be completely random. I remember I, I once um, spent a bit of time writing about my fridge is breaking down, right, and how I had to get it repaired. And, I, you know, posted on social media this is a long time ago. I went to a meetup a couple of days later and, and the guy said, hey, how's your fridge going? And I'm like. This is so weird that someone's asking about my fridge, right? Yeah. But I realized that that was uh, a connection on a, a personal level. You know, they know they didn't see me as someone trying to sell to them. They just saw me as a person that they like, like and trust as a friend online. You know, it's what being an influencer is. But and when this is the important thing, because that trust is built up, if that person decided one day that they want to start a business around what I teach and the way I teach it, mm. they will choose me first because of that trust that's built up. So it, there is a connection between everything, but you got to earn the right to talk about whatever topic you yeah. like. Yeah, 
I think you're right. And, and uh, you know, recently I started a Facebook group called Humanity versus Corona. And it, I wanted, I, I had a need myself, which was to have evidence-backed information, scientific information, but which was optimistic. Because if you read everything that comes out in the press, it, it pings between, you know, we're all going to be out by next week and everything will be cured to, you know, we're doomed and we're all going to die. And you, if you, you know, if you read all of that, it will just fry your brain. So I wanted to take the most optimistic view, but which wasn't, you know, completely made up and, and wishful thinking. And I started posting it in a particular group. And I've got to, you know, just invite people I know. And people are really appreciating it. And I have a feeling that the people who are in that group, it's got nothing to do with my work. But I have a feeling that people who like those kind of posts, actually, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some overlap with the kind of people I like working with who would eventually will say, actually, I really like John. He's obviously fairly got his head screwed on. He's, you know sane and, and, and not kind of scamming everybody, which is right. the first concern with the, right. the business coaching space. And um, I, know, I know that, for instance, in other instances, people who are simply friends on Facebook have ended up buying courses without me explicitly saying, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. So it, like you say, it's like the fridge effect where you, you talk about the fridge and <laughs> someone makes a connection and yep. um, you never know what's going to land with somebody. No, what matters is you, they have, you have attention, you know, they, that you exist in their world and that, mm. that's the most, that's the hardest thing. And that's the most important thing, uh, especially as a personal brand, of course, you know, if, if you're not like, it's important because some people might not wanting to be the face, then you know, they don't, they don't want to tell their personal stories. They want to put a product first or a brand first. It's a little different. Like me talking about my fridge works for me selling my course. Um, uh, does it work for selling, let's say, inbox done services? Uh, there's some connection there because mm-hmm. they know I'm the founder. Then maybe the people that work for the company, they trust them because, you know, people trust me. But it's a little bit more disconnected. You know, it's uh, not as linear. Have you seen the Stakeums Twitter account, which has gone viral? They basically, no. it's it's frozen steak slices sold in America and the person who's a young, the person who's, who does the social media is a young guy and um, he's very into science and he's making scientific uh, explanations of what's going on with the current coronavirus situation. And also very compassionate and saying like, you know, shouting at people who believe conspiracy theories is not going to help anybody. It's not going mm-hmm. to convert anybody. Mm-hmm. And so he's got this compassionate reasonable voice which means people have been writing blog posts about him and sharing it everywhere and everyone went wow we never thought the savior of the in the pandemic would be the frozen steaks guy so you never know how something unrelated might actually help you but generally i think your policy of go into it where with some thinking about how all the bits connect up and um that makes me wonder, you know, I've been reading a lot of Medium posts recently, Medium, the blogging format. How often people say to me, should I be blogging on my own website or on Medium or on something else? What do you say to those mm. kind of questions? Yeah, it's interesting you ask me that now. That I, the new project I'm working on, which uh, I won't go into much detail, but it, it does have a similar aspect to Medium in the sense that I'm hoping to get public contributions. And I keep asking myself, you know, what makes a person write to uh, an external platform versus starting their own blog or starting their own even website, you know, could be Squarespace or Wix or just even their social media. Why not post it to your Facebook or something mm. like that? Yeah. And I think the the answer is um, 
very strategic. So if you choose to use Medium, it's because there's a, a pre-existing audience you expect to reach there. There's some um, viral distribution you might get internally within the in the platform. It obviously has uh, established authority, so you could rank easier without having to build a, a whole new you know domain name, new blog, etc. So if your strategy is not to focus on a content play and build a blog and over time grow the authority, publish lots of content and own that platform, then it's way easier just to go, I'm going to publish a few articles on Medium when I need to. Uh, and that works. Plus, it's most importantly, it's really easy there. You know, let's face it, it's a very basic editor. You go in, you type a title, you type a post, you click publish and you're good to go. So that makes a difference. But I've had this challenge myself. Like I write a blog post and I think, well, this should be my LinkedIn article. This should be a Facebook post. Um, it, it should be on Medium, uh, not to mention all the other similar platforms that are out there. And I'm like, when do I choose to put where? I, you know, For me, it's always been default my own blog because it's 15 years of doing that. But if you're starting from scratch, you got to really think, it, am I in this for the long haul or am I just going to publish now and then? But I do think, and I, I've been saying this for a long time, you it's always best to own the asset if you're in a game for a long time. So the number of people who have had social media followings disappear overnight, had a YouTube channel canceled, losing all their followers. Uh, yeah, having their Medium account deleted overnight as well. But no one can delete your email list and no one can delete your own website, your own blog. I mean, you could have it deleted, but you can always yeah. get a new web host or you know a new email provider. So those are assets you own. And I think they're the most personal in the sense that people don't associate it with anything other than you. There's a lot to be said about that. So I think it's, as, first of all, a strategic question. Are you in this for the long haul? Are you building an online presence all about you and your content? Then do your own website. If you're not, if you're a bit, you know, you're the CEO of a company, you publish announcements now and then, Medium is fine, you know? So Right. So if you intent. just, okay, that makes sense. So if you just want somewhere where your content is seen, but we're not trying to do what you describe, which is write content that will draw people into what will eventually be a marketing funnel where they might buy something. Um, yeah, if it's just, okay, I'd like as many people as possible to see this this concept that I've written about, then mm. maybe Medium is the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, again, it's a, it's a branding choice, a personal decision. I... It's hard not to argue for traffic first as well. Like if you need traffic now, you probably will get something quicker from Medium, uh, especially if you don't have a budget and you've got you know no ad spend. Um, but at the end of the day, that's it. You're done. You post that on Medium. There's there's no benefit after it's posted on Medium. You're not building your own brand. You're beating you know uh, building Medium's brand. That being said, of course, you can build your own platform on Medium as well. So there's all kinds of <laughs> different angles to this. But yeah. Uh, yeah, let's not get go down that rabbit hole. So I've been quite lazy about blogging, and I haven't written a blog post on theideaslab.org, which is my main website, for mm. a number Why of, is that? A number of years. Because I feel like when I write a blog post, it takes all my creative juice for the day, and it feels like quite a big topic. So um, where What's your traffic strategy then for you? Uh, if it's not written content, <laughs> that's a very good you, question. Uh, go after? You would think I would have one. <laughs> well, <laughs> well you've, we, you've got clients and customers. So oh, I do. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, it, uh, I'm being a bit flippant. But so there's the books and there's social media presence. Um, and there we run Facebook ad campaigns occasionally. Um, but I, 
I should be blogging. Uh, but, but, but persuade me, Yarrow. Give me some motivation here. <laughs> <laughs> Will it pay off? Well, you know, everything's a, a split test. Uh, you know, do you do you want to spend money on on a paid ad campaign, or do you want to spend time on growing a blog, and then you won't have to spend as much on a, on a paid ad campaign because you're getting like I've been getting twenty two hundred subscribers to my email list every single day since. 2006, you know, it's gone up and down over that time, but every single day, whether I'm traveling the world, sitting at home doing nothing, there are people discovering blog posts, enjoying an email list. And that's why I've been able to sell my online courses and my products, my membership site consistently for about 10 years. Well, I, you know, take them offline, create a new version, et cetera, but that, you know, they always sell. Um, and that's without spending on ad campaigns. That's without being a, a crazy everyday social media person. Um, so I'm just pointing out the benefits of doing it this way. But I like to write or I have, you know, you may not like to write. So seriously, then no, I you, do. Know, you focus on podcasting. Right? I, it will. Yeah. I mean, I do. I do like to write, but it just seems to take a lot of time and I can end up getting kind of sucked into a, something that, that, that takes a very long time, like, like takes all day <laughs> or something. Well, and you probably have something that works. Here's the thing. Like if when something's working, that usually is what draws your attention. So you're like, well, I'm going to do more of that or something maybe you enjoy as well. Like maybe your paid ad campaigns are working to get customers as well as your book. And this podcast is something you enjoy. So that's where you prefer to spend some of your you know, creativity. Um, and sitting down in a corner of your house, writing a blog post is, is uh, maybe more exhausting, you know, and like you said, so it's a, I think it's a very personal decision. Um, I think if I, I know, could- I, I think the problem is the time. So to uh, answer that question, if I could write a blog post in the time it takes to record a podcast episode, then I think I would do it more often. But I tend mm. to take more time in that. So how how long does it take you to write a blog post? Does it vary massively? Yeah, I mean, we got to remember, though, how long does a blog post last in terms of value versus, say, this podcast? You know, like I, I, I have a podcast, too, and I'm a big fan of the platform. But I know that every episode I release has a very short half-life. In probably a month, no one, you know, it's, it's far less downloads than it was in those first few weeks. And it's not going to rank well. Well, it might rank well for the person's name, but it's not going to necessarily bring in a wave of, of traffic. But I wrote an article on the 80-20 rule back in 2005 that still ranks on the first page of the 80-20 wow. rule and still brings in a 1,000 visitors uh, roughly a month, you know, just that one post. And that's been doing it since 2005. So it's 15 years later. There's no piece of content I've ever produced, whether video or audio, social. Social is the worst because it's gone in, in one hour. Once you post on social, it disappears. <laughs> so, you know, I think for me, that will always be the argument for the written word. As long as Google has so many people searching and then, you know, you produce written content or video, uh, to be absolutely fair, YouTube as a secondary search engine gets a lot of time in Google search results as well. So I think one of the other written content or uh, YouTube content, they haven't figured out how to get podcasts to rank well. Like when you search in Google, have you ever seen a podcast show up as an answer to a question? I don't think I have. No, mm, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, unless yeah, you put the word so podcast that, in there, yeah. Now that's a, right. But, okay, so you're persuading me. Part. This is good. This is therapeutic. <laughs> this is, <laughs> you might, and if I'm going to sit down, so for anybody like me who 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 is lapsed or somebody who is just starting out and they're going, okay, like I'm going to get, get into this again. I'm going to start blogging. 
Are there any guidelines to help them make that as painless as possible or to choose topics or I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if it's actually painful to write, I would not, <laughs> I would actually say stay, stay clear of it. You know, I don't think it's worth, I never think it's worth trying to turn a, a weakness into an adequate thing when you can turn a strength into mastery, you know? So I would always, you know, pick something agree, you love yes. doing yeah yeah and go go hard and if you great podcast can do wonders yeah a great youtube channel can do wonders so you know or a great social media platform can do wonders um but if you decide that yeah the written word is is going to be a part of what you do i think the most important thing then is um a template to start with uh you know something to to like this new project I'm working on, um, it's a review site. And of course I wrote the first review. Um, but I knew as a review, it, it needs to have certain things. It's like, you know, a story about why I chose to look for an answer. It's about software reviews. So why was I looking for a piece of software? Why did I choose this one? And then of course, how did I start using it? What did I like about, you know, all these template responses, that's a very particular piece of content though. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a very structured piece of content. If I go back to some of the blog posts I've written that have been more personal, like, you know, you'd write about the coronavirus right now, like you were saying, you could write right now about why it's important to look for fact checked, positive content. You could write that. And then my rule is, and, and you enjoy that because you're, you're, you're knee deep in that subject right now. I think one of the best things people can do is tie in something that they're really liking now write about it, and then connect the dots to what you teach. So you could be like, well, I want the science and I want positivity. You know, in your online coaching business or whatever it is, it's important that, you know, you're focusing on positivity. And when you can, bring in some data to back up what you're telling your audience. So, you know, you connect the dots between something going on in the world and that you enjoy with the business you run. And that's, we're talking about a coaching business. You know, I could be talking about, how to bake cookies and say, well, you know, there's this quarantine situation and then here's how to bake cookies in a very disinfectant kind of way. I don't know how to tie yeah, it. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> no, sure. Yeah. Sort of, it's like when you can't get hold of flour, you can't get hold of yeast. or Yeah. So right, right. with a bit of creative thinking, you can always connect those two things. And I remember a friend recommending that years ago. It's like, what are you, what are, what's on your mind right now? What are you thinking about a lot? And I told her and she says, well, you just take that and then you crowbar that into um, uh, the you You're know a, a lesson for other people. So I think that's a really good reminder. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, it I makes think it fun too. Like I yeah. love. Sorry, Nick, say, I love to talk about stuff going on in my life, right? Because we all yeah. are, are heroes of our own story. We love what what we're thinking about and what we're doing. So if you can make that relevant for others, it's like a win win. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good tip. So I mean, um, uh, if. Finally, if anybody wants to know about, um, well, if there's anything you, you, any message you want to leave with people who are embarking on this blogging journey that will help keep them on the right track or motivate them, is there anything in particular you think you want them to know? Uh, most important thing is just uh, lead with the end in mind, like know what you're trying to achieve. Uh, I think, and it takes time to get clarity. So don't expect to know uh, with finite detail what that end result necessarily is. I think one of the most beautiful things you can have is 
something that's succeeding in terms of sales because then you know okay i have a, a, an offer that converts it gives you hope it gives you a direction um, you start to realize who you're serving and what their needs are and that can then guide everything on the front side which is content you produce so if you haven't got the sales that's when you tend to be like i don't know what to write about i don't know where to go because you don't know who your, your customer is you don't know what they want or what they've given money for so it's a little bit more all over the place and you have to uh you have to get to that point and, and that's that's your entire like i say this to to my uh my clients it's like your first goal is first sale like there's nothing else that matters in making that first dollar because that will be first a, a very personal motivating you know uh, groundbreaking moment in your life but secondarily, it's proof of concept. It's uh, target market needs something and they were willing to buy it from you. And that's a huge moment. Mm. So I think that's what everything should be striving towards that goal. Uh, and then, you know, then you can really expand and uh, you can do it's actually because then you can write whatever you want to write about. You can start exploring different topics, knowing that you've got that business, that customer base that are there to learn the one thing or to buy that one thing from you. Um, if you're not sure, though, I think uh, it's like I've got a lot of students over the years who they keep coming back to me like one year, then two years then three years. They still haven't found that right topic or that right slice of a market to make money from. And, I, and of course, it's always something about them that stops them. They never follow through enough. I think that's important, too, is, right. yes, you are trying to help other people. But if there's not something inside you that enjoys or is enjoying some part of that process, you're never going to do enough consistent work to get yeah. the outcome. So, yeah, you've got to do that that inner work to figure out what it is you you want to spend time on every day, what, no matter what the format is, blogging or social or podcasting or video. Um, what is it? And I, I, it's funny because my next business, I'm trying to take the yarrow out of it. I don't want to be the content creator, the personal brand. You know, trying to yeah. separate. So that's, that, you know, that's another way of going about building a business. Mm. Okay. No, that's really interesting. And you've inspired me. And uh, and I like that. Start with the end in mind. So for me, you know, that would really be about traffic, given everything else is is in place and works. And, and, and I suppose putting people into the, building the email list. So um, mm. that's a really good reminder. Think about what you want to get out of it and actually, actually, work according to those that aim but do it in a way that you enjoy it otherwise yeah. it's not going to work good summary yeah mm. no i like it okay it. so if people want to find out more about uh your blogging and everything you help people with because you help people to sell online courses and membership sites using blogs and emails um where should they go to uh if they want a like an actual training experience. Uh, I do uh, a presentation called the Platform Launch Plan. So that's platformlaunchplan.com. Uh, it's basically like an hour and a half training where I take you through setting up a platform, which is another word for blog. You know, your online presence. And I, I talk about everything we've talked about here, mm. grow, using the blog to grow the list, finding the topic, and then product creation too. Like when do you sell a, a flagship course, a membership site, smaller, lower price products like eBooks and so on. Um, or just want to check out you know, what I'm doing. Uh, everything about me is at yarrow.blog, Y-A-R-O. Or you can just Google mm. Y-A-R-O. There's not a lot of yarrows, so I usually rank <laughs> on that first page somewhere. So <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Okay, well, thanks, Yarrow. I really appreciate that. It's been, it's been really good. No, thanks. John. I had a lot of fun. Good, good, good uh, conversation. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ideas Lab podcast. Please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed this episode, it would be great if you could leave us a review. You can get links and details of everything mentioned in the podcast in the show notes, along with photos and video clips from many of our episodes. Just go to theideaslab.org forward slash podcast. Thank you.